You're not alone. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Salt Mines X-Wing podcast, a podcast dedicated to the backbone of the X-Wing community. That's right, people just like you, doing what they can to get better at the game. I'm your host, Sailor Joe, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about data. Surprise, surprise. But before we get there, let's go ahead and go into... List Building with Joe! Continuing our theme of playing with the new toys, I wanted to build something with uh, both the ST-70 assault ship and the gauntlet fighter. So in order to do that, had to go to SCUM. And I really toyed with this one for a little while. But I think what I, what I came up with is something that I, I would put on the table and would be uh, curious to see how it does. So the... Uh, we're going to start off with the Mandalorian, and we're rocking Fearless, Elusive, Ahsoka Tano, L337, Hotshot Tail Blaster, Contraband Cybernetics, Mandalorian, Optics, and the Razor Crest title. And for that, I'm going to carry a bunch of different elicits, but the one that will most likely get played is uh, more often is False Transponder Codes. Then for the gauntlet, I went with Rook Cast. And with Rook, and for those that aren't familiar, Rook's pilot ability reads, Before you engage, you may gain one strain token. While you perform a primary attack, if you are strained, you may change one of your focus or blank results to a hit result. So in to give Rook a little bit of a punch, we went with uh, Trick Shot, Kiara, Veteran Tail Gunner, Thermal Detonators, Mandalorian Optics, and of course the Swivel Wing. Then to fly next to these two ships, we've got Ahav in the Mining Guild TIE Fighter and Sevor with Mag Sabal Closure, Concussion Missiles, and Targeting Computer Upgrade. So the idea here is you kind of have the, the Mandalorian... Um, more or less on his own. Um, and then you've got Rook and the Mining Guild ties around. Or you could even do uh, the Mandalorian and Ahav with Rook and Sevor or any combination of that as you do your initial setup. But the idea is um, you've got Sevor to just get out there and be annoying with the Mark Sabal because he's bring in those large obstacles and um, he doesn't care about them. And you know who else doesn't care about them? Rook doesn't care about them because he's going to lock them in the system phase if it's really, really important. And it turns out Ahav doesn't care about the uh, obstacles either. So the only one that you got to be careful with is the Mandalorian himself. But let's be honest with the with how he's currently kitted out. Um it's it's okay for him to be doing red maneuvers, um, and he's just gonna want to get up there and get in the way, right? Punch as hard as he can. His uh, his pilot ability reads, and again for those that don't know, is while you defend or perform an attack, 
If you are in the front arc at range 1 to 2 of two or more enemy ships, you may change one of your blank results to a focus result. So, again, um, he just wants to get up there, punch as hard as he can, and um, he's going to use his pilot ability to get some mods. He's going to use Ahsoka to get that soft mods. He's going to use L3 to make sure that you re-roll and then really open up his dial. And then um, all the elusive, because, I mean, this ship has a lot of red on it. Um, let's just talk about the red on the ST-70 here real quick. So, red maneuvers. One in three hearts, two talons, 5K, and a stop maneuver. So if you want to recharge that elusive, there are plenty of options to do that. So with all that said, what do you think of the list? Uh, I'm excited to, to get these new ships on the table. And uh, once I get a chance to fly this one, I'll let you know how it did. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. AMG Rules Forum. For our first question this week, we start with Electro Traff Clouds and Seismic Interaction. OP, does a seismic detonating at range 1 of an Electro Traff Cloud with one delayed fuse on it destroy it like an obstacle or just remove the fuse? Answer, the fuse would be removed. From the rules reference, a device or obstacle is fused while it has at least one fuse marker. When a fuse device would detonate, one fuse marker is removed from the device instead and the device does not detonate. When a fused obstacle would be removed, one fuse marker is removed from the obstacle instead and that obstacle is not removed. Next question. Marg Sabal closure trigger. OP. Can you be on the obstacle at the end of your full maneuver and still trigger one strain from Marg Sabal closure? Do you need to clear it completely? Answer. No. Marg Sabal closure, talent, triggers if you move through an obstacle, structure, or huge ship. If the base of your ship is overlapping the obstacle, you've overlapped, not moved through. All right. Next question. TIE Whisper Foe. OP, I have several questions concerning the new TIE Whisper. One, since the bases has a, have a misprint, what is the official stance concerning terminal play? A, should we use bases as they are? B, should we use another base as proxy? C, do we have to print the errata and glue it on? I have literally zero faith in my skills to glue it without at least small errors in position. Will we receive a replacement for the misprint? Two. Three. When Kylo Ren Whisper and Malice and Compassion got spoiled, it was mentioned that Kylo can equip both light and dark force powers. Currently, the documents just mention dark. What is correct? <clears throat> Answer. 1A. Check with your individual TO. 1B. Check with your individual TO or use... Replacements found in the errata document online. 1C. The errata bases provided for printing are a potential solution to solve the problem, but they are not the only solution. 
Cutting out the name and the ship icon and gluing them to a spare ship token is another possibility. 2. There have not been any official announcements about replacement parts. 3. Kylo Ren in the TIE Whisper Modified Interceptor has both light side and dark side keywords. This will be corrected in the upcoming points document. A gentle reminder, we ask you try to limit your questions to one per post. Related questions are fine, but posts with multiple unrelated questions will be deleted without warning. Next question. Intuitive interface. OP. If my resistance Y-Wing has both BB-8 and engine upgrade and doesn't have wartime loadout, and I use BB-8 to boost to perform a boost after revealing a blue maneuver, does that trigger intuitive interface? Even though the source of the action isn't a modification that has added a white boost to the action bar, I still have performed an action added to my action bar by a modification? Answer. Yes, the boost granted by BP-8 would trigger in the intuitive interface ability if engine upgrade was equip equipped as the boost action has been added by the modification upgrade card. It would also trigger if expert handling was equipped and the ship performed a barrel roll. That's interesting. All right, wartime loadout and plasma torpedoes. OP, plasma torpedoes reads... During the neutralized results steps, crit results are canceled before hit results. After this attack hits, the defender loses one shield. Wartime loadout reads, While you perform a torpedo or missile attack, if the defender is in your bullseye arc, your crit results cannot be canceled by evade dice. Suppose a plasma torpedo attack roll is hit-hit-crit, and the defender is in the bullseye arc, rolls evade-evades. Which resolution of the neutralized... Step is correct for the situation. 1. The player pays one pair, one evade with the crit. The evade cannot cancel the crit, so is ignored. The crit result must be canceled before moving to hit results. The second evade also cannot cancel the crit, so it is also ignored. Two hits plus one crit remained uncanceled for the deal damage step. 2. The players pair one evade with the crit and one evade with one of the hits. The crit is not canceled by the evade, but the hit is canceled. One hit and one crit remain uncanceled for the deal damage step. 3. The players cannot pair evade results with the crit since they cannot cancel the results. The players pair each evade with one hit result. One crit remains uncanceled for the deal damage step. Answer. Evade results still need to be paired where, where possible. In this instance, you cannot pair evade results with the critical hit results since they cannot cancel critical hits. You would pair the evade results with the hits, relieving one, leaving one critical hit remaining. Next question, Prime Thrusters. OP, since the boost action on the TIE SE bomber is red, is the system phase Boost, red, or white? Answer, the action is white. From the rules reference, if the difficulty of an action is not stated, such as Lando Calrissian's Rebels Crew unique action, or the coordinate action for Vizier in the TIE Reaper, can perform as, of its, as part of its pilot ability, what is the difficulty of the action? Answer, 
white. However, note that the sh if a ship is instructed to perform an action on its action bar this way, it, it uses the difficulty of the action on its action bar. And the last one that we're going to talk about, TIE Whisper with Precognitive Reflexes. If Kylo Ren in the TIE Whisper, this is from the OP, is equipped with precognitive reflexes and uses the force to boost a barrel roll before moving, can you leak the action into a rotate jam? Into a rotate or jam with configura equ configuration equipped? Answer, no. Precognitive reflexes allows you to perform one action after you reveal your dial. If you do, you cannot perform another action during your activation. All right. So that kind of serves for the initial part of the of this cast. Um, let's go ahead and get into the game data. And this is going to mirror Gold Squadrons, but where I'm getting it from is on Reddit um, in the X-Wing, the miniatures game subreddit posted by Gakash. And... Here's what we've got. And I think this is this is kind of interesting. So for assault on the satellite array, the average rounds are 5.3. The average game time is 57 minutes and 54 seconds. And the average turn length is 10 minutes and 55 seconds. Now, this is from 30 games of 2.5. 10 on Assault, 10 on Salvage, and 10 on Scramble. So, again, not full data, but enough to kind of get us pointed in the right direction. So, back to Assault on the Satellite Array. Winning point average was 20.2. Winning objective point average was 11.2. And winning ship point average was 9. The loser's point average was 9.8. The... Loser's objective point average was 7.9, and the loser's ship point average was 1.9. The average margin of victory in assault on the satellite array was 9.4. Going into salvage mission, we see an average round count of 5.4, an average game time of 59 minutes, and an average turn length of 10 minutes and 55 seconds. A winning point average is 21.4. On objectives, 12.1. On ships, 9.3. For losers, their point average was 12.8. For objectives, 9.5. And ships, 3.3. Average margin of victory was 8.6. Now moving into scramble the transmissions. Average round count, 5.6. Average game time. 61 minutes, 48 seconds. Average turn length, 11 minutes, 2 seconds. Winning point average, 22.1. On objectives, 13.3. And on ships, 8.8. .8. For the losers, the average was 14.7. The losers' objective point average was 10.8. And their ship point average was 3.9, bringing a total margin of victory to 7.4. So, combining everything together over these 30 games, we're looking at an average rounds, average rounds of 5.4, an average game being just under 60 minutes at 59 minutes and 34 seconds, and the average turn length at just under 
11 minutes at 10 minutes and 57 seconds. The winning point average was 21.2. Winning objectives is 12.2. And winning ship is 9.0. For losers, their point average was 2.4. For objectives, 9, or I'm sorry, 12.4. For objectives, 9.4. And for ships, 3.0. Now here's some other things. Um, in any given game, the average objective points scored are 21.6. The average ship point scores are 12.1, meaning that 62% of victory points come from objectives. This is essentially two-thirds objective points and one-third ship points, if that helps. The average margin of victory was 8.8. .8. And just one other little bit of data that was um, pointed out in here is um, going back through his, through all the data is if you were in the, lead, in the lead after turn three, you won 93.3% of the time. So what does all that mean? Um, gosh, there's... There's a lot, a lot there. So let's start with Assault on the Satellite Array. We can see that everything's going to just under six rounds. And obviously you don't go through uh, point rounds in a, in a game, but that means that over the game, we're, we're looking at essentially hour-long games now, um, you know, give or take, and essentially average turn length of about 10 and I think part of that has to do with uh, is is kind of um, twofold on the one hand I think it has to do with higher ship counts um, and the second part of that is unfamiliar unfamiliarity wow I can speak um, with the objectives or actions that you can take at any given time and I think that as players as a whole get more comfortable with the game, that we'll see the average turn length go down. And as a result, the average rounds go up. Now, I also feel that uh, we're going to see the average um, objective over ship points change as well. I don't think this... Uh, two-thirds, one-third um, observation is is going to plan pan out. I will uh, point out on the addendum that he had that if you lead after turn three, you win 93% of the time. Um, anecdotally, that, you know, the last 2.5 tournament that I ran, I found that to be the case. But here's... Here's the thing, um, anecdotal evidence isn't really stuff that you can use. And I think that while that may be the case, it depends on, there's a whole bunch of other factors that go into it that really make the, the decision as to whether or not um, someone is going to win after um, with a turn three lead. And I really think it depends on what the turn 
three lead is by and I'm not sure that 30 games is enough and this kind of goes for all the data as a whole is I don't think 30 games is enough to really um, start seeing observable trends well let me walk that back just a little bit um, maybe you can start seeing observable trends but I think you need more data in order to get a clearer picture of what's actually going on. And I think this is where I need to point out that um, X-Wing players as a whole are, and this includes myself, so so please don't, don't think that I'm excluding myself on this. Um, we're bad at um, making predictions, right? Um, we're okay at interpreting data, but we're bad at making predictions. So what does that mean based on the data that we have? Well, I think more than anything, it means that we need to We need to do better at our data collection. Um, we need to have more consistent than just one or two people tracking it. Um, like this is all this, all these data points are things that should ideally be tracked in whatever tournament software you're using. Um, I personally um, have been using Tabletop TO. Um, I think it's a great program. And uh, I would love to see these data points included in there overall so that when we're pulling up this information in List Fortress or Pink Brain Matter or whichever one you use, you can, you can see these extra points and kind of draw your own conclusions from the data. Um, like one thing that I'll point out, and you've, you've heard me say this before, um, is that five ships seems to be um, the sweet spot right now for list building. I don't know that that's fully the case, but we are seeing players with a lot of success with that. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that if you bring a three-ship list, you have absolutely no chance? No, that's not what that means at all. It means you have to play differently. Um or if you bring a seven ship list, you have no chance. Or an eight ship list. No, again, you have to play differently. But I think that's the point that we've been building to, um, or that AMG has been building to, is you have to look at this game differently than you've been looking at it in the past. You can't just look at it as, oh, I need to bring an alpha strike list, or, oh, I need to bring a swarm, or, oh, I need to bring a salad. It's, that's not the case anymore. You, you have to look at it as, you know, these, these are lists that, um, I need to build around the idea of these different objectives and the list has to be viable across the board. And that's difficult. It's not apparently intuitive. And I think there's one other thing that um, I should point out here is 
We need to stop comparing the factions against each other as, hey, in this faction, I can get this ship. It's this value. And I think that's a better deal than what I can get in this faction um, at the same cost point or a lower cost point or what, whatever it is. None of that. None of that matters as much as each faction is developing its own identity and the price points that it has are going to be relative to what's available in each specific faction. And we can agree or disagree with that as much as we like, but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, the sequel factions don't have access to as much force as everyone else. Like, you, you can't get around that. Um, you know, the Rebellion has some pretty great action economy. Well, that's different than the Empire, which, you know, is one of two factions that can bring heavy-hitting swarms. And I know someone's going to be like, well, which Empire faction is going to be heavy-hitting? Well, or not faction, but list. It, it depends on how you build it. And I can certainly cover that in a future one if you'd like. But I think the the point that I'm trying to make is the cross-faction comparisons doesn't do anybody any good. Unless your sole purpose is to frustrate yourself and others. In which case, yeah, keep keep doing it. All right. Well, thank you for making it this far. If you uh, would like to support this podcast, please consider leaving a review, however you consume it. It really means a lot to me. As you know, I like to end every episode with a question. And this week's question is, how many games do you think makes, makes for an adequate data set? This is Sailor Joe, signing off. You're not.